Is that a half-eaten roll of wintergreen lifesavers in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Hello, Popcornites. Welcome to another episode of Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we force our opinions into your ears. What we lack in education, we make up for in rants, raves, and rambles. Listener beware. Know your episode title or description as spoilers lurk within. Uh, for example, in this episode, you may be spoiled by or with or about Man of Steel, Dark Knight Rises, and Star Wars. Too bad. Um, are you unsure about how you felt about Man of Steel? You are not alone. I'm here with MQ. Today we're going to be talking about a Man of Steel. Um, the reason I'm interviewing MQ is that he is a big Superman fan, and so I wanted to interview someone who has more knowledge of Superman of Steel than I do. I don't have a, much of a background in it besides seeing Superman 1 and 2 from the late 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of my only Superman experience and like listening to a podcast about Superman. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know much. Um, so if you want to say hello, MQ... Hello. And um, tell me a little bit about about um, about uh, your experience and background with Superman, like comics, movies. Well, definitely started with the movies as a kid, mm-hmm. and I just loved them. Did you uh, see any, like, the TV shows? I know there's been a lot of TV series. Well, it was mainly the comic books and movies as a kid. Oh, you did yeah. have the comics, too? Yeah. Well, Which... my, my grandfather had older comics of Superman. and. Oh, cool. Like... Like really older ones, like, like the thirties. Yeah, the, the action comics, the cool. earlier ones that you know, awesome. he was protective of, but let us look <laughs> at them. Cool. Does he still have them, or do you? I, Who I has don't even now? know where they are. And oh. that's so sad to me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sad days. But definitely the movies. Mm. I remember the first one I saw was Superman Four because I was a kid. Oh, uh, I didn't see. The, I haven't seen that one. I didn't see the other ones until they were on video, being able to rent them and see them. And okay. Were there more movies before those? Because those are the only ones that I've seen. TV. There was just TV before that? TV. And I forgot the guy who played it, but he was... Wasn't his name Christopher Reeves? And then, like, the in the other movies, it was Christopher Reeve? Yeah. I thought I heard something that about there's that. There's an association. And then, supposedly, the first one, the Christopher Reeves, I think, got paralyzed or something, too. Like, something bad happened to him. I think he got shot. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. It was called, like, the Superman curse or something. And Christopher Reeve fell off his horse. And Is that what happened? Yeah. Aw. Okay, so how familiar would you say you are with, like, Superman canon? Like, there, I've been reading about it, and there's so many different, like, story arcs. Like, what's your story arc, would you say? Well, mine would be the one that would be mo- the original. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they stuck to in those movies, too, from the 70s and early yeah, 80s. Yeah, they did. And recently what I've been finding out is about the DC... Like Superman Fifty Two, mm. where they basically reset all these stories, including yeah. Batman and the whole universe. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so sure about that. It's very different now mm. that they've actually <laughs> recreated the backstories and the yeah and added more details. So yeah, I, I haven't read any of them. Um, I am skeptical, even though Frank Miller did exactly that with Batman, and it did an amazing job of that. Mm. But to do it it almost seems like they're doing it for the sake of doing it 
and I don't know. I guess I'll have to read them to actually make a judgment. But I'm yeah. going to go ahead and judge it without looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to read them, too. Especially after this movie, because apparently the, with Man of Steel, they looked at that a lot. Did and, they? And based how they're moving forward with these movies on, okay. the, on the 52. Because what I heard is that they didn't want to look at any source material like they, it's what i heard i listened to an interview of them and it sounded like i don't want to talk about interviews too much because we should be talking about the film by itself but it sounded like they really didn't want to look at source material because they wanted to reboot it which sounds good in theory but on the other hand when you're taking someone else's baby and mm-hmm. and all these you know millions of people's collective baby <laughs> that's already been established and and trying to reboot it i feel like you should go ahead and look at some source material but. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, that's what, from what I was aware of, is it was Superman 52, mm-hmm. another Superman story called Superman Unchained. Oh. And then there's a, another book that came out when the movie came out called Man of Steel. Oh. Oh, they came out, like, at the same time? Yeah, but it's not mm. it's not the movie story. It's a, it's just another story oh. about Superman. Hmm. So that we've got like all these multiple Superman stories now. Wow. Flying around. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that they're going for that right now because I feel like that's a demographic that isn't really... I mean, I felt like that was why they rebooted him because people are like, oh, an all-powerful man. Mm-hmm. That's People don't care about that right now. They want Batman. He's real and gritty and weak. You know, he can get kicked around by Bane and then, you know, you root for him. Um, which does actually lead me into one of the things that I want to talk about, which is that is what I felt like they were doing in the movie is, is, uh, uh, de superizing him a little bit, trying to make him more closer to us. Do you, yeah, do you agree? They did. And I, and I liked it. That's something mm-hmm. I did like about it because in the other movies that I grew up with and I, I loved, there was, you know, Superman was untouchable and he was mm-hmm. this very pure mm-hmm. person and, Boy you know, Scout. Yeah, Boy Scout. I always Scout. call him the Boy Scout, yeah. And in this one, he, he, he wasn't, and mm-hmm. I liked that. I, I liked it. That's what, it seems like the people who liked the movie, that's their argument, is they liked it, and then, it, you know, it seems like a reboot, like what the idea of a reboot is. Um, my thoughts about it? Um, well, is there anything else that you have to say about, like, what did you think about how they are rebooting his character in this particular movie? I was confused by it. You're confused, I was. but you liked it. But I did. Confused. I was confused, but I liked it, and it, <laughs> it made me go and look afterwards. And I found out about the whole DC reset with mm. that 52 series back in 2011, mm-hmm. and then these two other books that have come out, the Unchained, and I'm forgetting what the other one's called. I think I know what you're talking about. I think I read the first issue. Or Unburdened. There's like Unbound. Unbound. Yeah. Something like that. And Untethered. I want to find those now and read them, and to see how they all fit into what the movies yeah. put forward. That could be interesting. Um, so what I felt about, because um, I'm not really a Superman fan, Batman's my main guy. Um, I, I find Spider-Man to be um, amusing. I'm more likely to, like if I see a Batman thing, then I instantly am drawn to it, just because like, he's my character. I like that he's dark and that he he's not really social. Like He doesn't ever have, the, he doesn't try to project an image Oh, he's yeah. just doing what he does. Um, and, you know, he's dark and... Yeah, I just like that. Spider-Man's fun because he's funny. And then Superman has always just not really been that interesting. I've become more interested in it lately. Just mainly because like, the history of it and the fact that he's the first superhero. Mm-hmm. And reading about the history of it made it ma- that much more interesting. 
I know that his comics, like, I think their first wide distribution was being put into, like, um, care bags, I don't know what you call them, that are sent away to the, <laughs> the troops. Oh to, oh, to be sent out during World yeah, War II. Yeah, so and... that was, like, uh, some of his first big exposure. Um, yeah, and that's, like, Captain America, too. Yeah. He was part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're the golden age, right? Right. Um, but what's made me start to come around to being more interested in him is just thinking about, like, how much he speaks to people and that he's never spoken to me. And so basically I was trying to figure out why he doesn't speak to me, why he speaks to other people. And as I was trying to figure this out, I, he, it started to appeal to me more to make sense. Like, you know, he was invented in a time when we wanted that something like that to believe in the the atmosphere of of world war ii and everything the depression everything that was going on then that's why he was invented and then that's been something that can keep carrying over because you know we always feel lost and we always wish there was a big all-knowing all-powerful force to uh take care of us so i can see why that's appealing and why he wasn't appealing to me as religion isn't (laughs) yeah that's um but I've I've started to get interested in it, and I and I started buying into the whole idea of of being a Boy Scout, of having this, as much as people say that it's not realistic, of just being like this paragon of virtue, um, the poster boy for like America, and um, just having like this this strong moral compass. And even though he has all these powers, all he ever does is he wants to save kittens and. <laughs> kill Lex Luthor and I was I was coming around to that idea and so I got kind of excited about the movie because I was like oh cool reboot like it'll just be like a modern thing with the same idea of this all-powerful dude and I don't know in my head I can think of like stories for that that would be very different um so what I thought about the movie what they did with his character um yes they made him more human and I really didn't like that because Hmm. that's the conclusion that I came to um is that that's his appeal is that he isn't and that he's like totally unrealistic he's he's just he's almost cookie cutter and yet you love him anyway Mm -hmm. and i think that's his that's what's so cool about him like it's obvious why people love batman and and spider-man because they're they have this dimension of appeal to them they're they're more three-dimensional and i think superman was appealing because he isn't because we can't touch him because he belongs up there oh yeah you can't he's all powerful and all he's like right indestructible mm-hmm. yeah. um and you kind of can't relate to him <laughs> and i started to like that um but i guess you know they wanted to reboot it in a way where you could and i found that uh he has in the movie he has no moral compass that was what i noticed um i took a couple notes about because <laughs> yeah, i noticed interesting that to hear though mm-hmm. in what way does he not have a moral compass so, like in in that he's being guided by his dad no, I'll, I'll get to that, or, too. Oh, but okay. um, what I was thinking, I actually wrote down a little list of the things that I noticed during my first viewing. I did see it twice um, where I was like, like, who is this guy? Um, so he steals. He like right away in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. He he um, first of all, the scene where he uh, lands on or he he saves the ship or whatever. And then he runs up on the land and, and he's like this the clothes super off the clothes beefy, muscly yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> No, he walks up, and there, there's this, like, little family in this, like, ratty little shack by the ocean, and clearly, you know, they don't have a lot of money, and he goes up to their clothesline and is about to take the clothes, but then he feels them, and he's like, oh, they're wet because it's rainy, so then he sees that they left the trunk of their car open because they were pulling and they were getting groceries out of the car, 
he goes over there and he's like oh warm clean clothes <laughs> so he takes those clothes and like those are the only clothes they had in the car for all they know that was all their clothes and he just takes them and yeah. runs off and luckily they fit that's the, yeah and yeah, they fit and they his fit big beefy body <laughs> <laughs> um so that happens like right in the beginning and then there's the whole thing we'll probably talk about this for a while maybe i'll save that for last okay then he um actually never mind we'll just go ahead and go to that uh he lets his dad die if you want to talk about that he does yeah and yeah right uh so i mean there's the whole thing like you mentioned the whole relationship with his dad which is his dad's it seems like he's trying to do a um what's spider-man's uncle's name uncle ben uncle ben yeah uh he's trying to pull an uncle ben like with great power you know Mm. like and that's i feel like maybe Zack snyder was going for that but at the same time though he was um, almost trying to tell him to just completely lay low you know and really not do anything Mm -hmm. because he's going to be found and then people aren't going to understand and that there will be a time when people will understand but just right here and now is not the time Mm -hmm. you know yeah that definitely was what he was doing (laughs) but um i don't know it seemed it just didn't wasn't very believable believable for me where it wasn't believable for me in that as i appreciated you know being a parent and having Mm-hmm. my own kids I could see like if I had a super child you know mm-hmm. I might be a little like if you know yeah. don't go flying off and save every cat from the tree <laughs> and you know you have to let Billy get beat up sometimes you can't love every cat yeah but Clark seemed a little old at that point for, yeah for dies. some of the advice that his dad's giving him for mm-hmm. him to be like oh I'll listen to you yeah and I won't I'll let you die you're right, right, no. and that that was my thinking is like, yeah, before that, it was kind of like, well, okay, it makes sense, his dad's being kind of a dick, but whatever, like, dads are dicks sometimes, um, but obviously, Clark isn't really listening, he keeps doing stuff, Yeah. and then the one time when you think he'd be like, okay, this is the time, I'm gonna go ahead and use my powers so that my dad with the broken foot who's like waving at me from a hurricane doesn't die. Yeah. You think that'd be the one time he uses his powers, and then he doesn't. He watches him die, and then uh, after that, you'd think that um, that he'd be like, "Well, I didn't use my powers, and look what I got." You know, mm-hmm. like that's what would that's what would be in my brain would be um, like you know like consequences. He told me not to use my powers, and I didn't, and then he died. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think uh, probably on the filmmaker's part, that's just a way to make it seem more emotional. You know, that he finally listens at a time when it's this really huge decision to make of, like, do I just reveal who I am and save my dad, or do I actually listen and understand that, you know, that I let him go, you know? Yeah, I uh, I can see both sides of it, because that was my opinion, and then I can see that, I can see what they were trying to do, which I think is to show um, the reason that after that he continues to try to repress his, himself and stay in the closet is is because <laughs> um, he's trying to honor his dad's mm-hmm. what his dad what always his dad wanted, wanted to do yeah um, which is yeah to repress but himself. then maybe he just wanted his dick dad to die <laughs> maybe <laughs> but not the dog thank God they saved that dog yeah <laughs> um, so then <laughs> going on with the moral compass and lack thereof so he lets his dad die um, and then he leaves his widowed mother. Mm. he leaves her all alone and he goes on 
a an aimless walkabout walkabout where he keeps changing his name so he has no accountability um he apparently just like goes from place to place until he fucks up and then he leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he puts trucks through a, a, a oh, he, trucks, his, trees. his art. That was Superman's art. The sculpture. <laughs> sculpture. Yeah, of the truck, right? <laughs> and the the diner, right? Oh, maybe the, they saved it. Maybe later, like in after the movie, they when they realized that's who it was, maybe they put it in like the Superman Museum. Yeah, they're like, oh, the we Super need to Museum. put that in there with the, the little spacecraft he landed in and everything. <laughs> yeah. And um, but that was another way where he didn't feel very super to me because like, can't you just punch the guy in the face? But instead, he just, like, kind of hangs his head and puts his tail between his legs and walks out. And you're like, aw. And then he does something, like, super melodramatic and puts, like, ten ancient redwood trees through this <laughs> redneck's truck. And That's he can't true. get back to his family now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that. And then, I guess, moving on, I think there might have been some other things. Just stuff, stuff like that where I'm just like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, not sure what his motivation is. He seems kind of aimless. And then there's the end of the movie where he destroys Smallville and Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And then breaks Zod's neck. Spoiler! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now that, from what I understand, even what I've read recently, is that that's the first time Superman's ever actually killed somebody. That's what I was wondering. Because in like Christopher Reeve's Superman, it was always like, I'm bringing these men to justice. Right. You know, it wasn't about killing and so I really think with this movie, they are almost trying to make a whole new, you know, set a new tone for Superman. Mm-hmm. That if he didn't do that, if he didn't kill Zod, spoiler alert, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, he would have killed that family, you know, the three people, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. standing there. So it's like he had to make that who decision. Who couldn't run. Yeah. Who couldn't they <laughs> simply couldn't. <laughs> they were truly cornered. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the little laser would have killed them if mm-hmm. it hit their leg. But um, You said that's the first time that... Yeah, that he, that he actually did that, that he really killed somebody, mm-hmm. you know, in front of people, in front of Lois Lane, and he killed somebody. Yeah, you know? and I, I hated that. And I think that kind of goes with your moral compass in a way, mm-hmm. is that he's much more... This Superman is more lost. He's yeah, he's flawed. He's very human. Yeah, where the Christopher Reeve Superman was not. Right. You know, he was like criminals. You're going to justice and fly off and drop <laughs> yeah. him off at the police station and here you go, officer. You know, <laughs> throw the book at him. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I ended up. Once I was trying to get over my disinterest in Superman, is what I ended up finding charming, and also what so many people hate about those cheesy movies is that. He's goofy. Yeah, well, it's great. very kitschy, and yeah. but that's where Superman was born, is in, in comic book kitsch. Of, yeah. They weren't supposed to be serious, you know, mm-hmm. that this is purely entertainment, this is somebody who isn't real. Right. You know, just read it, get lost in this fantasy. Yeah. So, yeah. so how did you feel about him breaking someone's neck in front of children? I mean, how did you well, feel about that? Well, I can't endorse that, but it's... <laughs> no, I'm sorry, don't let me influence you. It was... um. I liked it. I don't know. I like what, how they're making him a little more human. Because mm-hmm. growing up with him, and I, I, not that he was a role model for me, but, you know, that, you know the, the things you read and the things you're seeing, you know, just influence you as a kid. Mm-hmm. And trying to think of somebody so perfect yeah, is kind of like, really, I don't think he is that perfect. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat to see him not be that perfect. Maybe they didn't have to have him break his neck. You know, he could have broken a few bones and then taken him. He could have just built a new phantom zone. <laughs> yeah, new f- exactly. <laughs> but instead he did that. Mm. But 
I, I'm a, I appreciate some of the imperfections that they've given him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see um, why people would feel that way. Yeah, and I th- and I believe too a lot of the people making these superhero movies now, including this movie, they they are my age and grew up like with the the pure mm-hmm. hero, undiluted. You know? Yeah, the the Boy Scout hero, uncut Boy Scout. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think know. everyone in the room just popped <laughs> yeah. their heads in alarm. Director's <laughs> 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 uh, cut. Yeah. So, um, so I just think now there are people that grew up with that that are thinking, you know, that's not a real way to tell a story about somebody, you know, even a superhero, mm-hmm. and and just giving them those, the humanity mm-hmm. of, you know, and sometimes going as extreme as breaking a neck mm-hmm. and maybe with superman you have to go that extreme to show his his imperfection because he's been so perfect mm-hmm. all along so that's a good point i can appreciate what i feel like they're trying to do um and i feel like iron man 3 was trying to do did you see iron I man 3? I'm, i've never liked iron man oh no i, I love I, him he's actually yeah, but i, I need to be, i've never really i just never got into him i never mm-hmm. really read Oh, yeah, I haven't read anything. I, I never read it, and I just never got into it. Uh, and he's Marvel, right? He's a Marvel superhero. Yes. Uh, uh, but, dude, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Are you not a fan of that guy? No, I like him. Oh, okay. I do like him. And I should, I, I'd love to watch him. Mm. Oh, yeah, you but. should. Um, people are kind of divided on which ones they like and don't like. I like I like them all. The ba- The last one was not very good, but Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow make it worth it. Um, but the reason I, reason I brought it up was because I felt like from when, as soon as I heard the premise of that movie, which is that Tony Stark has PTSD, which is freaking stupid. Um, I did get the impression that, oh, they're trying to go dark. They're trying to do what Batman did, what the Batman franchise did, because that was so successful. The whole, the Dark Knight, uh, reboot, super successful because they're amazing amazing movies and so i felt like that's what iron man 3 was trying to do and failed or um whoever directed the third one i can't remember right now but it's not uh john favreau i think did the first two i'm not sure but it's not the same guy um favreau i don't know how to say his name so Um, it was a different director for the third movie different director um several different main orchestrators involved in the movie just the same actors um so i appreciate like that they're it seems like that's what they're trying to do with superman and I appreciate that in theory. Um, in practice, I felt like it, was, it wasn't it was ready to come out. Like, they didn't have a solid enough idea. A little clumsy. Yeah. They yeah. were just like, let's reboot it. Let's be gritty. And then it just, eh. They should have they started a new chapter instead of just trying to go dark, mm-hmm. I think. Because I don't, I don't want Superman to be dark. I don't yeah, want well, my Superman dark. I don't know if it's the Unchained or the Unbound comic <laughs> book that's come out. Mm. But, um apparently it does a really good job of almost resetting Superman in a completely different light. Oh, okay. And that's one of the criticisms I've read about Man of Steel, the movie, is that it misses what this comic book has done. Oh, okay. That probably because they didn't read it. Probably because, exactly, they, they didn't. didn't read it. It came out the same day as the movie. How could oh. they have? <laughs> that explains <laughs> it. Um, did you, you read Red Sun, right? I love Red Sun. Me too. See, that's something they could have done. That's if they made that into a movie. I'd oh lo- man, can you imagine how America would feel about that? It'd be great. It'd be boycotted. <laughs> that 
I'd like to see them instead of do a Man of Steel two that they do Red Sun next. Oh, that'd be so awesome! And then they go that. into Man of Steel two and whatever is going to follow. And have the crazy Batman with like the Russian yeah, hat with the hat on. Oh my and god, then... <laughs> <laughs> the hat, you guys. Um, oh yeah, I did have one last note about um, the lack of moral compass when he <laughs> when Call L figures out he can fly. First thing he does is fly to Africa and scare all the animals. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. You remember this? No, I don't. Oh my god. How did I miss it? He, he figures out he's gonna he can fly and he's in the Arctic or or whatever. Um and he's like, Woo, and he's like all happy, and then the next scene is him. You just see a bunch of zebras scared out of their minds running, and then he's above them and he just keeps going. Like he, oh there's some drafts, some lions. <laughs> I mean, it's probably an eight-second clip, but nonetheless, I was like, what the hell? Like, I looked around at the audience like... Yeah, that's kind what? of... Uh, if, yeah, I, I can't say I remember that. I don't know why, but that is. That's like, yeah, I'm going to go fly to Africa and fly over zebras. Because it was in 3D, too, right? It, it was available in 3D. Because I didn't see it in 3D. Me neither, yeah. And I kind of wonder with some movies now that come out, that they just make some scenes that are like... The 3D people are going to love this. Good point. So I can only imagine that it's like, oh, people want to see zebras run in 3D with Superman <laughs> flying over them. Probably. So. 3D IMAX. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Imagine that scene there. Yep. Those <laughs> zebras. Yeah, I noticed that in um, Star Trek Into Darkness. Like, mm -hmm. there was a couple times where things, like, shot at the camera. I saw it in 3D and then in 2D. And in the 3D, I was like, woo, like a spear just went in my face. And then in the 2D, I didn't even, like, notice it. I was like, oh, yeah, that part was 3D. Yeah. So I kind of did wonder if, like they made the spear go to the camera because of the 3d thing yeah and i would think so because I, I saw that in 3d too and mm. I, I noticed things too that's like that's for the 3d crowd yeah which is kind of it's kind of a bummer to think of the different decisions directors and cinematographers are going to make for something that not everyone is going to see probably mm -hmm. less yeah because i know um working at the movie theater i know our 3d shows sell out less than the other ones well, that's what I heard people standing in line for Superman. I saw it in 2D. Mm. And there were people that were glad that it was 2D because they did not want to see it in 3D. They were like, oh, we're so glad this isn't a 3D <laughs> yeah. version. And I, was, I thought that was interesting because I, I enjoy the 3D. Mm. I like 3D. I can take it or leave it. Um, I'll leave it if I have to pay for it. But the thing with 3D too, which is interesting, is I wonder how much of it comes from executives at Paramount or Fo you know, 20th Century Fox saying to the cinematographer and director, you need to work these things in because we have investors and we have people buying into this technology that we want to see make money and we need to do this for them. Yeah, very you know? true. Very true. How about the scene in the schoolyard where Clark is reading Plato? He's pretty much asking for it. Yes. <laughs> it's, almost, be, you know, <laughs> it's almost worse than using his powers, I would how say. How old do you think he was in that scene? Ten. <laughs> yeah. So So I thought that was kind of goofy. He should have been reading a Batman comic. Oh, he that would have been awesome. It. I would have been excited about that. Although, speaking of uh, like placement like that, did you notice the LexCore? I did. LexCorp. Which, and that goes to the whole DC 52 thing that they've oh, done. Oh, okay is that apparently Lex Luthor comes in and rebuilds Metropolis. So people, <gasps> are, wondering. people are seeing that little Easter egg or whatever. 
oh. as a clue to what's going to happen in following movies. Okay, because that was so. going to be one of my questions is, what the hell? Metropolis was destroyed. It was freaking ground zero. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it was ground zero. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm, I'm referencing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what actually makes an uncomfortable watch in a way because it's just like this is almost too real you know things like this have happened Mm -hmm. completely agree that was one of my thoughts and that's that's why I didn't finish uh, I saw it twice except I left 30 minutes before the end which is when the destruction porn in Metropolis starts Mm -hmm. Um, did you say destruction porn yeah Yeah. that's what people are calling it Um, well it is because it's over it's it was over the top mm -hmm. I don't think they had to do as much and I think part of what they're trying to show and I've read different stuff. It's like they're trying to show what it would be like if gods were fighting. Oh, okay. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, but I don't think you really had to go that far. Yeah, and and saying that, if anyone who worked on the movie said that, that's even more offensive because plane versus tower is not gods fighting. No, that's true. Uh, I hate to take it to a dark place, but I mean... It made me really uncomfortable the first time watching it. And I didn't even watch it the second time. Mm-hmm. The scenes where the buildings are collapsing on them and there's there's dust yeah. on the people. And it just I watched the news, you know, for days after 9-11. And mm-hmm. it, was it was very that. similar. Yeah. Very similar. Well, even watching the Batman, the last Batman movie, mm. when stuff was going on within Gotham and things were being destroyed. And it was it was pretty bad, too. I even I felt uncomfortable watching that. Oh, really? Just like... You know, are you going a little far? And I wasn't sure what was going to happen as far as, I, not, I don't want to say spoiler alert again, oh, no, but you fine. know, about the bomb that the guy was going to detonate and annihilate the city. I wasn't sure. Oh, is this really going to, mm-hmm. you know, where is this going? Yeah. But, you know. I guess, yeah, I don't know if I'm just biased because I'm already looking for something. Um, that's partially why I want to talk to someone who has, you know, who actually enjoyed it more than I do. Um, but I didn't feel that like yes the avengers and batman have a lot of city destruction too Mm. but i guess they lost me enough in the story where i wasn't like this looks like terrorism yeah that you don't recognize it as like whoa wait a minute there's somebody in that building yeah you know there's people on the street there's people all around Mm -hmm. and i don't know i would love to go back and look at avengers and batman movies when they're you know when there's stuff blowing up because in star trek into darkness and i think in some parts of iron man 3 Definitely in Man of Steel, there's distinct, like, wide-angle shots of everyone who's about to die. Like, you see their faces as they're screaming and crying, and then they explode it. Like, then they do the explosions, and it's just, like, adds this personal element, and yet it's impersonal because you don't know who these people are, Mm -hmm. which makes it even weirder, and I don't know. Yeah, and yet the filmmakers are making you put that together in your own head because they're, like, people screaming a horrible thing coming mm-hmm. and then nobody's there, you know, it's right. like, so you do, you create the scenario of what happened. Yeah. And that's, that was one thing I didn't like about Man of Steel because mm. I just thought that did go too far. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably my biggest, my two gripes were probably, um, I just didn't feel like he was super, mm-hmm. didn't have that moral compass. Um, and then him running around, changing his name seemed more like, uh, Wolverine-esque or well that's what he reminded me a lot of Wolverine in oh, this yeah? movie yeah I was just waiting for him to like shoot things out of his hands you know <laughs> yeah. these metal claws yeah or with the the whole thing with the trees in the truck it's more like a, an introverted Hulk or something mm. I don't think Wolverine would do that <laughs> an introverted Hulk yeah <laughs> he he'd be a very Hulk. short man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah my two my two things were his character and then the 
just the destruction mm-hmm. explosions that um I was thinking about where to go for dinner during those yeah <laughs> between like this is too real and I'm kind of bored <laughs> yeah and that's what I just wonder too how much they're gonna follow up or not follow up but just carry on with him kind of being more of a lost soul swimming soul in a yeah of like trying to figure out okay so I have all these powers I can do this stuff but really how am I supposed to use this what am I supposed to do yeah because in the Christopher Reeve version he he knows what he's supposed to do yeah which that's why I like him yeah that's why I came around and he's just this is what I do mm-hmm. you know and I keep America safe <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. in four it's he keeps the world safe from nuclear destruction yeah and I can so I can appreciate why they're doing it making him human and everything but on the other hand it just makes me lose interest in Superman again mm-hmm. um, so let's talk about Lois <laughs> thoughts I like the new Lois better sorry no, don't <laughs> sorry. Be sorry. no, no. I want to hear a different yeah. opinion from mine well and the reason I like the Lois from the movies I grew up with she was too my girl Friday mm. news yeah. reporter too you know <laughs> she's too aggressive her. well not too aggressive but just almost aggressive in a in a weird fake sense of I don't mm. think anybody would really be that way she was very much the stereotypical, um, just thirties fast talking yeah. reporter. And that's what have you ever seen My Girl Friday? Career. No, it's I haven't seen that. Cary Grant and oh I forget I should not forget who that lady is. But she's this fast talking news girl and I and I I think uh, when was that? Um that was in the like the thirties and forties or probably the forties. Okay, because I was I was reading or about 30s. her character and she was inspired by it might have even been who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like she was supposed to be her. Basically. Yeah, and they really did. They carried a lot of who she was in that, and it this it never seemed real to me. Okay, you know, it just almost seemed too too much of a caricature of you know a, a news lady. Mm-hmm. You know, and then she, even though she was this completely independent news lady, wanted the story. She still wanted romance and was like really into Superman and mm-hmm. and all that. So I kind of like that the new Lois was a war correspondent. She was a little more rugged. So she's definitely a new Lois. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that I was trying to figure out is who is she? Because I didn't get a sense of character from her. I couldn't. Every time she said something, I was like, wait, who is she? I, could, mm-hmm. I never got a three-dimensional picture of who she is. Can you tell me <laughs> like what you thought? Yeah, well, this is... I, and I don't think this was in the original Superman movie that came out in theaters, but it's on the DVDs that I have. Oh, huh. Is that um, it's in the first Superman movie, and young Clark is mad that something happened at school. You know, some guys in a car were like, "Oh, we're gonna beat you up," or you know, "We don't <laughs> like you. You're a loser." And he you're just reading like, Plato. <laughs> yeah, you're reading Plato. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes running, and he's like running, 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 running. And then all of a sudden he's running beside a train. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Right. And he kind of like darts in front of the train, yeah. darts across the track. You know, it's like, oh, look at he's faster than a speeding train. <laughs> and so he's doing that, doing that, doing that. And then he slows down and lets the train kind of pass him and he's still running. And then a young Lois Lane looks out the window and kind of sees him and is like, mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy. <laughs> oh, and that's cute. Yeah, but it's kind of... Oh, you didn't like it? 
it's neat because it gives it somewhat more of a connection. Uh-huh. And I think that's what I'm thinking of is that they really didn't connect Lois Lane. With him? With Superman this time. Oh, yeah. Very other than she was all of a sudden in the Arctic investigating this, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this ship thing that she shows up to investigate on some sort of hunch that she had that still, I know, wasn't very clear. Uh-huh. And then she leaves in the middle of the night to go spelunking in an ice cave all alone with no flashlight. Yeah, because she, she sees... She sees him running off, this man that she's never met before, running off into the the wilderness of the Arctic. Yeah, and I don't I think, think he had I a shirt. Sh- follow him. Or he had very few, he didn't have like a big heavy he, jacket no, on. No, he was not he dressed was, for the Arctic. He was dressed more for like some other climate. I mean, so, I mean, if I did that, if I went down an ice tunnel in the Arctic and I came aclo- across like this alien robot, obviously mm. I would get my Nokia out and try to take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I relate to her in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> My fi- my okay. So I my- was sad that that camera got broken. I know, right? It was very sad. <laughs> um, my final thought on her character was that she came across as a, a kind of neutered April O'Neil. Oh, um, interesting! From Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's I can see that mm. because the the thing that I didn't understand with her, and I think this is one of the things that kind of confused me about the movie didn't keep me from liking it of course but just Mm kind of confused me was how did she all of a sudden establish this relationship with this with superman yeah just through these almost chance encounters yeah and maybe they're gonna explore that relationship differently as movies come maybe they're i almost feel like they just like blocked themselves with that because do you remember there must be uh, if you were to assemble five of the top worst things you could say after any kiss in general and after the first kiss in particular, do you remember what she says to him after they kiss? I don't remember. <laughs> so they're standing in the rubble of Metropolis and Superman has saved the day by snapping Zod's neck. They come together and they kiss, look into each other's eyes and Lois says, they say it's all downhill after the first kiss. <laughs> Do you remember that? I don't. <laughs> I was. I literally said out loud, "What?" I think the audience must have hated me. <laughs> Who says that? Yeah, yeah, that is that's that is weird. That's. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if they can salvage the relationship from that wreckage there. Yeah, and I, I wonder if that will be something they do differently. Is that he won't have that connection with her either yeah because i think i never watched smallville did you ever watch no smallville? i didn't i heard it was good yeah but i know there is definitely that lois clark mm. and there was even that show lois and clark <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> but <laughs> isn't there wasn't there something didn't she have a comic that was like called superman's girlfriend or something too i'm looking at my producer like he knows he's like <laughs> playing animal crossing <laughs> uh. but that's why i yeah, I'd be curious to see how Yeah. they handle that. Because um, just, I guess, having been confused by it in this movie, you're just thinking, oh, well, she seems more like a secondary character than any yeah, type definitely. of primary, like, main character in it. So. Right. Um, my last complaint about her was um, 
besides the fact that she didn't seem like a reporter, she wasn't really pursuing stories so much as she seemed to kind of like wander both in her personality and um, what she actually did. Actually, okay, I have two less notes about her. <laughs> First one is that I felt like they felt that merely, the, the filmmakers felt that merely by not making her be a damsel in distress, which she wasn't, mm. by not doing that, just doing that made her a new character. True. I can see that, that they were now, I'm not avoiding criticism of making a, a weak woman in a film, but trying to say, you know, war reporter, she's here, she's in this world of reporting, and she does it well, and mm-hmm. that it was still kind of shallow. Yeah, well, they didn't, they did that, and it was like they had a foundation to build her up as a, you know, a strong female character, and I just mm. feel like they kind of didn't. And then they didn't, yeah. And uh, furthermore, <laughs> they kind of... I don't want to like sound sexist as far as like clothes and, and actions go, but they took her from the stereotypical female character and put stereotypical male cliches on her. I don't know if you noticed, but they dressed her like a man, but well, in the sort of the, uh, the female version of a man's suit, like she had, she often was wearing like long white sleeve dress shirt, dress pants, mm-hmm. dress shoes. And then she had like a lot of times like the work vest over it. Mm-hmm. And you look at the other ladies at uh, Daily Planet. <laughs> and they weren't. <laughs> they're just wearing normal clothes, as are the men. <laughs> oh, interesting. And I, then uh, when she's in the bar, she uh, talking to that, that little nerd guy who has like a website. <laughs> oh, yeah. When she, yeah. She, um, he has a beer and then she orders scotch and then like knocks it back. Oh, which yeah. Well, <laughs> it's kind of badass. I'm not going to lie. But it's it also I got the impression like a little voice in my said in my head said, Oh, she's drinking like a man drinks. Mm-hmm. Like, I was getting the impression that's what they were trying to say. Like, you yeah. know, almost overcompensating for. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. That's kind of the sense I just got of her overall. And she all of a sudden winds up on the the airplane that's gonna launch the other ship. Yeah, to end the, and I was like, why is she yeah. there? It's you mean like when Zod brings her? Or do you mean the military airplane? The military airplane. I wasn't sure why she was involved in. Yeah, no, I don't know either. That. It's not as if she was some correspondent taking notes but she was very active in the i guess it's because the nerd guy said on tv lois lane knows and so the military's like get her oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and she didn't tell them anything no um the last thing is uh there's a scene so she's been working at the daily planet for who knows how long there's a scene where she's trying to print something out and she like hits it and it's like does anyone know where the toner is <laughs> How long has she been working at the Daily Planet and she doesn't know where the toner is? Oh, it must be because she's a silly woman. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I thought that was very unrealistic. <laughs> it was. I, a lot of things she did just seemed mm-hmm. not thought out in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as a character in a movie that was hyped as much as this movie was. You mm-hmm. know, so. So I can appreciate that they were trying to reboot reboot her as well. I feel that they they stopped short and didn't quite develop her as they should have. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they keep doing it, maybe they can do it better. Well, that's what I and my thinking is they might be making her more secondary. Anyway, I don't know if that's yeah. the way the story's going to unfold that yeah, it maybe. isn't about Clark and Lois that there's maybe know. they don't want you to get invested. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but speaking of the Zod thing. Why does Zod want Lois on the ship? Remember, <laughs> remember that? Yeah. He's like, we're, well, we're going to take this guy, but let's take her too. And they're like, no, don't take her. And she's like, I'll go. And then 
Why? I only saw this like three weeks ago. Why <laughs> am I not remembering? I know. I, that's why I saw it again. Because there were so many questions where I was like, wait, why did blah, blah, blah. Did they explain that? Because it seemed to make sense at the time. But Somehow. it's not making sense in hindsight. They take her onto the ship. They take them both onto the ship. And then... Well, because she had to... the re- <laughs> She had to bring Superman's dad's hologram out. Right. That's why. That's oh, why. Oh, plot device. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Which, by the way, the hologram, the whole plot was hinged on a super flash drive. Yeah. <laughs> super USB. <laughs> I, I can't wait till they start making flash drives that look uh, like that. I'll get one. They gotta. Yeah. <laughs> I already Googled it. It doesn't exist yet. Someone get on that. Because it's when Superman gets on the ship when he becomes more, he loses some abilities because it's right. the Kryptonian kind of atmosphere and all yeah, that. Yeah, he starts adapting to the atmosphere and he's like coughing and, and then Lois goes, what are you doing? Help him. And Zod's like, I can't. He's just adapting. And she's like, help him. And Zod's like, I can't. And she's like, help him, help him, help him. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and then Superman passes out. Um, yeah, so I don't know why that happened. Um, what did you think of Russell Crowe? I liked him because Marlon Brando were f- will forever be in my head as Superman's <laughs> dad. Mm-hmm. But again, that was all kind of kitschy and kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. But Russell Crowe brought a seriousness to it that was like, oh yeah, he's Superman's dad, and he wants to do the right thing for. He's trying to do the right thing for his planet, his people. But he can't. It's too late. Mm-hmm. No, and he doesn't, then he does the right thing for his son and sends him off. And yeah, I liked him. Yeah, because one of the things that's going on in these other comic books that have come out is that you start finding out that Superman's not the only one to have left Krypton. Right. Yeah, I did read one of those. Yeah. And so, like Supergirl, somebody mm-hmm. who left, and then in the the one that came out with the movie, he winds up meeting some other people from that planet. So. Mm-hmm. I think that whole intro, I know people have complained about with Russell Crowe and oh, yeah. <laughs> and the whole Krypton planet mm-hmm. is setting some stuff up that's going to happen later later on. Oh, that okay. There were other people on that planet that knew what was going on and left. Oh, okay, good. Because that was one of the things when at the beginning I was like, they know it's about to explode and they're basically standing around saying, man, our planet's yeah. going to explode. <laughs> what a bummer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too bad we don't have any spaceships. <laughs> Uh, so how about how underwhelmed the government was by everything? Okay, not, maybe not the government, <laughs> but... <laughs> the military and everything? The, the, just uh, like... Yeah, the one, the colonel guy, I can't remember his name. Oh, the general. The, the... general. Yeah, that guy. So he, he's the one I'm talking about. He actually cracked me up, but he was completely unrealistic. But the fact that he was, like, goofily unrealistic amused me. Um, when, they, when the spaceships, when Zod and his people show up and on the military radar and they're like general you need to see this and he, he comes over and he's like what and they show him the spaceships on the screen and he was like well looks like they want to make a big entrance <laughs> this is his response to alien spaceships <laughs> so which i guess you could try to explain away by by saying oh well you know the government and the military probably already knew about aliens so he's not that surprised but nonetheless yeah or can't show it just because it's like i need to you know, present this to my people, my, you know, the people below me or yeah, who maybe. knows. Yeah, but, that's true. Maybe he's trying not to start panicking. Yeah. like, shit, you guys. <laughs> oh my, we got to run. <laughs> <laughs> Just like rip off his military badges. Yeah, I quit. It's all a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the same guy when, uh, after Zod says, hey guys, you're not alone and we're going to kill you if you don't give us Clark. 
so then uh, Clark decides to give himself in because the priest tells him to take a leap of faith and therefore he should turn himself in to the government. So he flies up to the military camp. Mm-hmm. He's a man and he's flying and humans don't fly. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, general whatever comes out, like they all come driving out like, oh shit, there's a flying guy out there. General gets out of the car and says, okay, we see you. <laughs> he literally says that. <laughs> That's his first thing. Like, okay, what do you want? Flying okay, guy. flying man. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Um, any thoughts on like what the military and the government involvement and their interactions? Yeah, they again, they might almost be overcompensating for the other movies where the military was just like so ineffectual and didn't mm. stand up to anything that maybe they wanted to give them a little more strength and like, okay, okay. flying guy, yeah, <laughs> you're here, whoever you are. Could be, yeah, instead yeah. of because in all the other Superman things story arcs they probably are like oh my god it's a yeah bird. you know or actually realizing hey he's so powerful that what do we have to do mm. you know that we can he'll, he'll take care of us yeah that's a good point know? um one of my coworkers was saying on the subject of a reboot that it would be interesting um to do a, a more of a period piece because um i am interested in in a superman reboot like the idea of it i do like um but it would be great, I think, if they did something rooted in the 30s when mm-hmm. he started. Yeah. And to, w- to even, like, use the fashion and the technology and everything. I think that would be really exciting. Mm-hmm. It would be. That would be cool. Because, <laughs> you know, that's an art, the Art Deco era, you mm-hmm. know, where mm-hmm. it could be pretty spectacular instead of making it contemporary. Yeah. So. Which, I, that's, like, a direction I think they could have gone instead of, like, trying to be the Batman gritty reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been really cool. Yeah. Do you remember at the end of the movie, um, before he, I think it's before he breaks Sod's neck, um, Clark, uh, call L, collapses on his knees and screams? Do you remember that? It's in the scene with the family. Someone gets killed. Well, I think it's, yeah, I think that is after he does it. After he kills Sod? Oh, is that why he's screaming? Yeah, because that, that would... <laughs> Again, I know it was only like three weeks ago that I, I saw know. this, so I should remember. I saw it last week. But if week. he did that before he did it, and then does it, yeah. it's kind of lame. But if, he, you know, after, I can understand that. Well, well, it speaks to what I was going to say. It speaks to how much the emotion of that scene's connected with us that we don't even remember what he was screaming about. Mm-hmm. Um but I laughed when he screamed. Yeah, when he screamed. As I also laughed when Darth Vader in episode three, just called Revenge of the Sith, um, oh, okay, when he the, screams. Do you remember that? The last Star Wars oh, movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I laughed at that, too. No, I cried well, that's a little, the, too. Well, that is comical. You know, that's, yeah. that's almost become a whole cliche of, like, really? You're going to put that in a movie? Right. Um, wasn't there something like that in Star Trek too? In yes, the recent there Star was. Trek? Um, I'm trying to remember. Well, I mean, in the in the in the Wrath of Khan reboot, mm-hmm. he. I mean, in the original Wrath of Khan, I think even that was funny to people. Yo, oh, yeah, and like that was funny too. Oh, that's yeah, because Shatner, <laughs> especially William Shatner, doing yes. it. But then when he did this, I, I laughed at that at, in Star when, Trek. Uh, when Spock does it. Yeah, when Kirk. Mean? Yeah, when he realizes. What Kirk oh, oh did yes, in the, yes, yeah, yes. That little role reversal. 
Right. And so when he does that, my my thought was, hasn't Star Trek Into Darkness and Wrath of Khan and Revenge of the Sith taught us that a grown man on his <laughs> knees screaming, just screaming one word is often humorous. Yeah. Um, and then, I well, guess it my has fir- not. <laughs> <laughs> my first thought was just that that a grown man screaming on his knees is never compelling. And then I wanted to reevaluate evaluate myself and think, well, like, am I being sexist? Am I being too harsh? And so I tried to think of instances where it can be compelling because I don't want to say a guy can't scream like, oh, because, you know, guys can't look weak. Like, sure, they can. And it can be emotionally compelling. Mm-hmm. So and uh, some examples that I thought of was uh, Luke finding out who his daddy is. That's that's a very compelling moment of of a man screaming and you never think you know you no you one laughs at that yeah scene. <laughs> that's true except does my produce did my producer laugh at that scene my producer laughed at that <laughs> scene but he's a heartless person <laughs> uh, wait did you but did you see that after you saw the um episodes one through three was that something because that is in the original movie the first time he saw it but he does now the luke is screaming yeah when he finds that out yeah that's oh yeah but it was in the one of the more recent ones that they added darth vader darth vader yeah that's in episode three and then luke screaming is in Mm -hmm. because i thought that maybe not to turn this into a star wars conversation but that's never a bad thing that um (laughs) in one of the recent releases that came out that they added Darth Vader yelling when Luke no at the what's his name in Return of the Jedi Mm -hmm. maybe I don't know because I haven't they added Darth Vader yelling no did they into something (gasps) new oh my god and I remember reading that and just thinking oh god so much rage when he tells him to kill his son or there's something where he just he winds up yelling oh god it's so bad and oh no! Yeah, <laughs> my day just got ruined. It's it's too camp. It's too much. That's way too but. much, and that's a perfect example of what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just throw screams in there because you're like, okay, I really want my audience to feel something. Let's have this like strong male character scream. You can't mm-hmm. just throw it in there like that. Yeah, like Superman was supposed to fly off like into space and like fly around the planet <laughs> a million times. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to reduce it to a, a scream. Yeah, like that scream. Yeah, that that's a good example. Is when uh, what's that guy's name? Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Reeves. When he does that scream, like it, he kind of sounds goofy, but at the same time, you're like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> there's like a reason for it. I don't know. It's just more believable. Um, but yeah, so there's there's Luke screaming, no, that's impossible, which totally breaks your heart if you're not heartless. <laughs> um, and then Simba screaming when his dad dies. Oh yeah. It's just him going, No and and there's not a dry eye in the world at that scene. And then how about Frodo screaming for Gandalf when he falls uh into the the cavern? Oh, that's right, yeah. The, the ball rock or ball rock. yes. Yeah. That's also like I definitely oh, yeah, cheered up like, for yeah, that scream. So not to say that men can't scream or that it can't be emotional and, and compelling and and totally legitimate, but uh Superman screaming for a reason that neither one of us remember. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. Wasn't, uh, kind of spoke to the whole 
spoke for the whole movie of where it's a lot of drama and sometimes you're not really sure why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in a way that's that's where movie, like I know the first Star Trek there was a lot of criticism for it being too fast paced and the first reboot Star Trek. Yeah. The, oh yeah. Did that one have a name? It was Star Trek. Just Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Star J. Trek. J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, like, even Spock spoke faster, the Leonard Nimoy Spock, oh. where he always, in the other movies, he was very deliberate and very spoke very slowly. Mm. But in that movie, he even was speaking really fast, and things just move and move yeah. and move. And even some of these superhero movies, things move so fast that it's almost like they've it's like they don't want anybody to synthesize it. Yeah. You know, it's just about just experience it, feel it in that moment. That's a really good point. And get to the end. And then it's like, oh. Yeah. This had to be point. something because I felt a lot. But then when you think about it, you're just like, why did he scream? Mm. Why did he? Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's very valid. And that kind of makes me realize why. One of the reasons that I've dissected Star Trek Into Darkness and this movie so much is that at the end of it, I feel uncomfortable and I'm not really sure why like I was like I'm pretty sure I didn't like that like there's some parts where I'm like that was fucking stupid <laughs> and other and but at the end of it I'm kind of like I just feel very unsure <laughs> um and I think that's why is because there's so much going on and you sort of feel stupid because you mm. don't um, um, do you know what I mean <laughs> well yeah well it's like you're trying to make sense out of stuff that possibly doesn't doesn't you're like what did I miss you know that it was just put together <laughs> in this series of events that it's supposed to make sense within that but when you pull it separately you're like oh that doesn't make sense and, mm -hmm. that doesn't. and they and for some parts they're obviously counting on you to do that because why does zod take lois and yeah why is why is does superman scream Cal screaming yeah. i mean there's i'm sure there's a reason when we rewatch it but whatever it was didn't stick with us maybe mm -hmm. it stuck with other people i don't know yeah but i know the 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 scenes that i really liked in superman that in the end, I walked away with a good feeling was... In Man of Steel or the... Man of Steel. Oh, in Man of Steel. Is the, those handheld shots that show up throughout the movie of him mm, as a kid. Me too. It's like those to me were just like, oh, you mm. know, if they could have done more of that, like they could have had some French director make this completely <laughs> like artistic... Yeah, that would have been cool. ...foreign Superman film that's just like about memories or just about what it's like to grow up with power. I would love that. Yeah. That would and, be really cool. Cause just watching those, watching him play with the dog at the end with the cape on. Mm -hmm. and you're just like, he has no idea. He has no idea. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad you brought that up. And just the innocence of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. I would mm -hmm. love to see that, that reboot. Um, the cape at the end. Who is he imitating with the cape? The, the, I've thought about that. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Any because <laughs> I had my Superman cape as a kid. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> you know, so many kids have had that. Mm -hmm. And when I when I did see that, I was thinking, yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> that why, who wore a cape in his world where he would have thought about putting a cape on mm -hmm. to be like that? Yeah. You know, maybe it was being a three musketeer. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, he was maybe Plato has characters in his book <laughs> that were capes. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was his attempt at a Greek toga. Yeah. He's, he's like, oh, it doesn't go all the way around. And, and, yeah. You know, you kids, know. they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, I was so, I was so captivated trying to figure that out that I did Google it and tried to see like, okay, I mean, was Superman the first hero with a cape? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, were there other like characters, Pulp Fiction characters that wore capes before Superman? No. Um, so I found out that like the first 
capes that were really worn. I'm not even sure if the Three Musketeers did. I'd have to look that up. Mm -hmm. But um, I can't pronounce it. It starts with an F. I think it might be uh, pronounced Farello or Frilo. They were worn by like some religious like clergies. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that a word? I hope so. Um, And that's that's the closest thing to a superhero cape, which I don't know like who adapted that into a superhero thing either. Yeah. But I'm just I mean, it's it's a really interesting question to wonder would kids without superheroes tie like a sheet around their neck and run around with it flying out behind them? Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. Because I remember thinking that at the end of it. Going, okay. <laughs> well. Some weird self-referential thing of, of Superman in there. But good. Have you seen the first Superman? The... The like one and two from yeah, the 80s? With, yeah. Yeah. Christopher I've Reeve. seen one and two. I may have seen three but i'm not sure i've seen one like four times because the um and what i liked about this and not to go back to it but the the kid scenes in this one it was like the kid scenes in that first movie are so goofy of where he's this little tiny kid who lifts the car up to oh like, yeah <laughs> to save his dad yeah you know to help him he's just standing there and he's like wearing a diaper or something <laughs> and he's like, oh, i could do that oh yeah that's you so know? funny and his dad doesn't try to repress him yeah so he doesn't get an emo complex. <laughs> do you think they're going to try to do a reboot of The Fortress of Solitude? Well, that's something I was reading about this movie, is that they're kind of redefining how that whole thing came into existence. Mm. Is it going to be the Kryptonian space pod that crashed in the Arctic? He's just going to go hang out in there? That, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> As opposed to him having a crystal that he like sets in the ice and it grows a and like, alien becomes crystal. this... The Fortress of Solitude. How do you feel about that? I'm not. I, I having found out about these new, like that whole reboot of DC itself, and these other books that have come out. I want to see what they're doing with it in there. Mm. A little worried about what they'll do with it <laughs> in the movie. Mm. But the Fortress of Solitude is just always an interesting place, anyway. Yeah, I I like that idea. Yeah. I think everyone should have one. Do you have any final notes or thoughts? Oh, I think I'm good. Well, I hope it didn't influence you too much. Because like I said... No, you didn't. And like I said in the beginning is that I I walked away liking it, but it was definitely some things were like, what is really going on with this? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, what are you people really doing? And having made this movie probably like a million times in my head, or even <laughs> so many of these superhero movies, whether I was a teenager or even as an adult thinking, how would I make that movie? These movies just always seem to be rushed and not really thought out about the mythology or the canon that's out there and just existing within fans anyway. It seems to be a very small group that comes up with uh, the way the movie's going to unfold. Yeah. Where possibly they should expand that. Yeah. And think, oh, wow, if we included some of this stuff, we would have a bigger audience. People would go see it more. Mm-hmm. And it would really fit in with what people are thinking and doing. Um, in reference to the score, I did enjoy those five notes. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's the the music. Well, because you think of John, it was John Williams who did the the other ones, the Superman music. Mm-hmm. I hope. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah, and he, you could, he really crafted Superman's music. You mm-hmm. know, the music, it's iconic. Mm-hmm. But you, nobody will ever forget that music as being, oh yeah, that's Superman music. Yeah, I'm sure that's why Hans was was so frightened. I mean, he said that he said that it's an amazing score and he wouldn't want to touch that. You know, that well, idea. That's, yeah. I don't know, it'd be a challenge. I can't imagine somebody who does that. To, right. That's the last thing that I wanted to say. Um, 
so those those five notes they are very it's probably like six six and a half maybe um i like them What's yeah, that? minimalist. Minimalist, yeah. or uh, Zack Snyder said that it was humble. It does work really well for some scenes, and it is it's a, it is amazingly emotionally compelling for how minimalist it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that's part of why I got so excited about the trailer um, when I saw the trailer. Oh yeah, the music and when he's walking, mm-hmm. the big Superman's walking, and then it's cut in with the little kid Superman. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, it's an amazing trailer. Like they almost in my mind when I left the movie. I remember thinking I might have been okay with just having seen that trailer. Exactly. That's what I was going to get to. Um, I saw it with uh, two other friends and we were talking about it after. And uh, one, of, one of the people I saw it with said, you know, I would have watched, I would never watch that movie again, but I'd watch the trailer like 10 more times. <laughs> yeah. It was a powerful trailer. It they, was. They it did was a good really job well made trailer. Yeah. So yeah, in summary amazing trailer for man of steel yes that's a <laughs> um well thank you for being on oh sure um yeah. definitely made me see some things differently it was definitely good to get another perspective um it's definitely like in this um dissecting spiral of trying to figure out how i felt about this movie and so it's good to get another opinion yeah well good and a, a super a super fan based opinion well great well thank you and i, I enjoyed this this was cool awesome thank you Bring your own popcorn. I'm a popcorn frog. I like popcorn, yo. I'm a cute little colonel. I ain't all that tall. Been loving popcorn since after the alcohol. I'm a popcorn frog. Don't be mad at me because I...